Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Knocked Conscious. Today's conversation is with Susan Nicholas. She is a telepathic medical intuitive and energy healer. She has a very interesting origin story and I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Knocked Conscious with Mark Poles. I have a special guest, Susan Nicholas. Hi Susan, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine Mark. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on today. So I'm going to dive right in because I, you had reached out to me to be a guest. And then I looked, I watched your Ted talk and I have to know the beginnings. You start with this, but you just glossed right over how your life started because you only have 13 minutes. So (laughs) please tell us about who you are, what you do, where you come from, and then that opening start. And we will just go right into it from there. You're right. Ted is only 10 to 15 minutes. And so it's hard to fit a whole lifetime into there. Uh, So yeah, my life started uh, actually um, in, I would say, a bit of chaos and uncertain, a lot of uncertainty. Um, I was born into, I would say, uh, impoverished circumstances in very rural area of Pennsylvania. Uh, It is called Brownsville. Yes, uh, it is a town called Brownsville. I'm from Philadelphia area. So uh, okay, okay. So Brownsville is not too far from Uniontown. Okay. And my understanding of Brownsville was before I was born, it was a place where there was steel, an, uh, an emerging steel industry. But that industry, my understanding, moved to Pittsburgh, and the town of Brownsville became uh, basically impoverished, which it still is today. That makes and, complete sense. The steel, I'm very familiar with the steel mills of the seventies and eighties and, you know, the early eighties. Yeah, and exactly. And so that was the, I would say the kind of the earth milieu that I was born into. I was born to a 17 year old mom uh, who had a ninth grade education, as you likely heard of my Ted. Um, and I was her second child at 17. She had my brother when she was 16 years old. And my mother's family was, um, was very challenged as well as my father's. They, they both grew up in this impoverished community. And my mother's family was in my grandmother, my maternal grandmother was a prostitute. And that was known in the community, but it brought a lot of shame to our family it was something that was unspeakable. And so I kind of grew up, you know, as a very young girl, of course, I didn't quite understand all of this. But as I grew, I knew that it existed, but I knew that no one ever talked about it. And um, I later learned, much later in life, uh, my mother's journey in that that process. But it was much I was when I was much older. <clears throat> but I'll say this: I think, Mark, that as a five-year-old child in that those housing projects in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, um, at the by the time I was old enough to go to school, my parents had separated and I was living with my father's mother, my mater- my paternal grandmother. And I remember looking out into this impoverished community and I knew then that that's not the life that I wanted, but I didn't know how one gets out of that life. Um, it seemed like it was generation after generation after generation that was just sucked in. It's almost like the black hole. Like there's this, kind of um, event horizon around poverty and you just get sucked into it. Yeah. I mean, it, it can, it can certainly seem systemic, right? For sure. Yeah. We speak about yes. like Baltimore neighborhoods from the seventies have the exact same laundry list of crimes and local challenges that they had 50 years ago. Um, oh, if, you know, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously we're seeing some low, you know, some, large cities, urban areas, having some pretty high elevated crime rates now. And it seems to be Mm -hmm. fracturing a little bit. Exactly. And so, you know, what you said, Mark, just now about fracturing is I think what has to happen with generational poverty. I believe that it is a construct. uh, This it's part of the money construct uh, where very few have a lot and the masses have nothing. It's kind of prices law, Pareto's principle. There's a lot of that that works economically throughout in each Yes. Of the 80-20 exactly. rule. Ex- and, exactly. And such, exactly. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. 
And I think it's, you know, when I talk about human constructs like prevailing on the earth today, and I call money one of them, it requires a dismantling of old antiquated belief systems, ideologies, um, ways of being. So it can build up again into something that's more inclusive that allows everyone to prosper. And so I think about, and I talk about money a lot because I believe that it has, it stops many of us from fulfilling our lives, like fulfilling our true dreams, our true destinies, if you will, because we're stuck in cycles and generations of poverty. And I think I would argue it, that we're stuck in cycles, regardless of what it is. It could be puberty. It could also be a cycle of luxury where you mm-hmm. get soft because you had such privilege. Right. So there, exactly. I mean, cy- cycles are, are happening. Our cycles. Yeah. For each, <laughs> you know, depending on not, you know, regardless of class, it's just in that cycle, right. On that track. You know, and I, I think, so what you say, I, I love that because, you know, I say whether or not that you grew up with more than enough or in great comfort, or if you grew up um, in a deprived situation in very challenging circumstances, we all have a money story. We all have um, a relationship with money. But I think we don't recognize it as a relationship. We think it's something that happens to us or that we're just born into our circumstance. But it is so intimately intertwined in our everyday lives that we are unconsciously, I believe, in dysfunctional relationships with money. Whether or not you're in that cycle of luxury and you get tired and you have no ambition or you, you know, there's a lot of waste or feelings of guilt or greed or, or whatever is happening in there. Maybe there are crimes committed around how money was earned, spent or obtained. Uh, maybe there's secrets surrounding money and very wealthy kind of households um, and communities. And then the same thing on the other side of the spectrum where there may be shame, there, there's uh, maybe uh, beliefs of unworthiness um, or, uh, I, I guess, undeservedness uh, and accompanied with a very low self-worth um, and low self-esteem or low self-confidence. And so I think they both play together in, in a sense, almost like uh, two sides of a coin. But regardless of what side you landed on or were born into or maybe end up, on, uh, we all have a commonality. Uh, we are all a part of something I, I think is called a money construct or the uh, money construct on the planet. And for many of us, regardless of where you land, uh, there, there needs to be, you know, requires a dismantling of it to build something new. And so that's, you know, basically, uh, a lot of the work that I do and that, and it's from that. I come from the side of the coin of poverty. Right. And, and you use, you talk about money as energy and power and, and, and you I make do. very nice analogies to those things. So what stuck out for me, that all is interesting. And I love that you pursue that. And that's amazing. And I please speak to that as much as you like, but what really interests me is the event. Cause there's a thing that happened and I yes. had it and I can't explain it. And I'm curious. I've not, I don't meet many people who have events, so I don't get to dissect what happened and how, <laughs> if you're okay, opening to it. Um, but uh, that is what's curious because that is what actually led you to this. Correct. Like you had a, a previous life. You know, I I would say that, um, I was given a gift, Mark, where it was the gift to wake up consciously. Now getting, now to receive that gift, I, I, I believe I had to die first in a sense. Uh, it was. Well, it's a rebirth, right? I mean, like when we talk yeah. about tarot card, you see the death card. It's not the end as much as it may just be the a new, beginning. A new beginning. Right? Yes. And so I had, I experienced that dark night of the soul. Uh, I actually have had a couple you know, of, of those experiences. I'll take you to the first one, which I believe began this awakening. Please. And it was, it was me. I was, uh, I, I spoke earlier that 
I was born into an impoverished situation and knew that I couldn't, that isn't the life that I wanted. And as a young person, one thing that I knew that I could do was learn things and that I could get good grades in school, even as a first grader. And so I would say unconsciously, but consciously, I used it to educate myself out of poverty. And I believe that if I got enough good grades, then I could get out of this place that I was born into. And the same thing with geography. I thought if I moved very far away, then I could, you know, be rid of this thing. Right. And so I did both of those things. I went to uh, college and then I went to medical school and then I went out to California and I trained as a surgeon. And then I went to Palo Alto and did a fellowship in cardiothoracic surgery to find myself as educated as I could get. And as far, you know, you know, across the country, uh, literally moving east to west um, and still finding myself empty, like still finding this hollowness of my own soul. Right. So that, that's and my I, question. So with these excellent marks and in a field that is medical, because yes. I parallel that and not not to that extent by any means. I've lived a very lucky life. I can happily share it. But you heard about my mom's story, obviously. Um, but um, I've, I'm fortunate to be born here and have you know, have not been escaping where I am. communist Germany. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But um, to your point, you know, you felt empty, even though you were having these actual material accomplishments. Yes. And I, and I term that this journey of external validation where literally it's just one more degree, one more job, one more promotion, one more title, you're one more shiny thing away from happiness. And I and it's took always that there. journey as far it, as I could. It's yes, always the, the next one. It's, it's always never, something. it's, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it is. Exactly. I mean, that's really what, that's what meaning kind of leads toward, right? Is that next thing in a material and I mean, in all senses, but in this case, it, it, you get stuck, right? Chasing it. Yeah, exactly. And that was really the game that I was playing, I would say, for almost the first 40 years of my life. Uh, was chasing the dangling carrot, looking for that elusive fulfillment and happiness to be actualized as a being. And it was really escaping poverty was a part of it and doing an honorable, what I believe was an honorable profession. And I believed it to be my purpose. I truly believed it to be my purpose. And so when I got to the end of the road, if you will, uh, and I realized that there I was, I was still empty inside and still really suffering from this energy of, of lack of not enoughness of scarcity. I didn't, I, I could not think in my mind anything else I could possibly do. I, I literally, I, I was at a loss. And, and I was so kind of, is this, when you uh, had this is schism? a little bit earlier. Okay. A little bit earlier. Yeah. Okay. yeah so it, it was about 35. Okay. I would say I had the schism. So you had your hat, <laughs> you, you had, gone through your entire, I would assume all your residencies and all those things. I'm not that familiar with the practice portion of it. Yes. You've gone through everything. You're actually a board certified medical doctor at 35. And then this hits you. Right. Exactly. I mean, so, okay. Um, I was actually in my fellowship okay, uh, okay, training, but, but yeah, I got my uh, medical license and I had done like all my credentials right. and I was, nearing the end of my clinical training, um, when I realized that I, once I got to this place that I, I believed I should be happy or I should, I should feel there was, I had just everything in front of me, like this, all this potential. Yeah. Like something yeah. like some wholeness, like, like would have been all worth it. Like those yeah. kinds of feelings, like the arriving kind of feeling. Uh, but instead it, I, I became more empty and I, I felt this, like this crevasse void, this hollowness of my own soul. Okay. And, and this was, you know, I was around 35 um, years old when this time frame in my life. And uh, I decided that I was, I'd have to die off the planet to be free of this emptiness. Right. I didn't know any other way. And I had worked so very hard for so very long to get there. I mean, I just think of being a five-year-old saying, this isn't the life that I want. And then steadfast, you know, 30 years later, I'm still 
you know, pushing a boulder uphill as far as like from this perspective of my own soul that I wasn't free. I couldn't be free. Right. And um, the bo- it's and- not a problem pushing the boulder up the hill if the boulder has a purpose and meaning to you. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, like everyone's pushing a boulder of some sort, whether it's one they they are passionate about or one that is they're miserable. You know, that makes them. Miserable. Yeah. You know, that's that's interesting. You know, I think the boulder, you know, analogy is just the heaviness of the burden I was carrying for sure. And the burden was so uh, deep in my soul, I didn't know how to relieve it. I couldn't, obviously, I couldn't educate myself out of it. I couldn't move far enough away. I couldn't earn enough out of it. It was still with me. Distance and time were not going to help you in this case. It really just just wasn't. Yeah, you're shackled to it. I mean, it is burdensome. Burdensome is a great, great Mm -hmm. concept great description of it. And I, and I think many people go through this and I think early on, Mark, I, I didn't have the language for it, but I knew that I was a person that whatever I did had to have meaning for me. Like I, I wasn't the person that could just check in and check out or punch in and punch out. And then I look and then it's the end of my life. I just knew that wasn't me. Like I just couldn't, do that and do some rote kind of act or job and collect a paycheck and a pension. And then I would be good. Yeah. Um, maybe no one feels that way, but I knew that I wasn't that person. Right. That whatever I did had to fulfill me, you know, like from inside out for sure. and it had to, had to have meaning for me, like whatever the meaning of my life was to be, it had to do that right. kind of thing. Uh, to be actualized in this life. But it is interesting you went uh, medicine versus, for example, law, which requires the same amount of studying, but you went into a service field that I would guess that you probably would hope there would be more meaning in healing, right? Possibly. I I mean, because there there tends to be a calling for that people in this world, whatever realm, I don't know what to call it. (laughs) Um. I think the medical part versus any other type of uh, arduous life path uh, was because I, I, I believe that I had heal I was a healer. Yeah. I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people in the healing arts, right. whatever that was. And when I was younger, I thought well, I could be a doctor or a nurse. And I said, well, let me just go be a doctor. And you, you know? crushed it. And I, and, and so it was, you know, so, um, so then you have this, meet this time where you reevaluate what happens at that, at that moment? <laughs> uh, I think reevaluate is a very nice way to put it. I'll try, uh, I, trust me. I, I know it's not that it feels a lot more chaotic <laughs> than that for sure. Yeah. I think it's why people also say it's a crisis awakening or a dark night of the soul. So that's my, why it's my, called, that's why mine's called knocked conscious. Cause it literally was like a two by four across this, across the head. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to have to hear about that. I'll share um, that with you. No worries. Well, for me, it's it it was it was more than me attempting to take my own life. Uh, you know, that was that time in my life. I felt that I knew something dramatic had to change for me to go on living. Like what I what I got from that experience was. I had to change something dramatically to go on living this life. I knew it, but I didn't know what that thing was or what that change was. And so I thought it was about career. I thought, okay, maybe I chose the wrong career. I do something else. Uh, then I'll build, have this fulfillment. And so, you know, I've, I've been, they say God protects children and fools. Um, I'm going to call myself a fool. And I, um, I am very protected, this attempt. just so you know. <laughs> If if that's so truth, I, I'm very protected. <laughs> I'm safe. Right. I'm sorry. So I, sorry. I, no, 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 no. I got you. <laughs> so I come out of that experience, and I and I just switch gears, but I'm still on the hamster wheel, right? I I transition out of medical career, and then I go straight into business school, and then you I go from material start a healthcare to material. company. 
Yeah. Because right. I'm thinking, oh, if I if I now have a business degree, then I can do the business side of healthcare. I can be an investor. I can do yeah. early stage healthcare companies. I'll have time and money. That will fulfill me, right? So I go about doing that. I go to business school. I start a healthcare company. I work. I do that for about four years. I closed. I have a kid. I, I, my child was born after business school. Congratulations. And then I, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and, and it's like ticking more boxes, you know, right? It's like family. It's like the Mercedes Benz in the garage. It's the titles. It's the, the degrees, the money. And here I was again, about five years later. I'm like now 40 years old, mm-hmm. done the business school, done the health, had the kid. Um, uh, and then I'm at that, that place again, that hollowness in my soul. And I, and I knew it. I said, this time I won't make it. I wouldn't make it. And, I um, that same exact way. Yeah. I was like a mess <laughs> because yeah. I, and I it was, it was I, actually between 40 and 41 for me. Mm, it, it was, mm. I, it's funny. The people it's, it's like the 27 thing is very real because that's like a, a growth from literally child to adult. It really is 27. That's why you see a lot of Amy Winehouse and Jimi Hendrix and Mm. Jim Morrison Mm. and, you know, Kurt Cobain. And then you go into the, the midlife. That's where we have our, that's our, that's our spiritual crisis in some weird way. Mm -hmm. And it's like clockwork. So many people I talk to, it's like our rock bottom was luckily not an accident that got so bad that we couldn't pull mm-hmm. ourselves out of it. Mm-hmm. And so few yes. people recognize the bottom or set. Like I was lucky. I think you probably did the same for you. Cause you seem to, I would say play it safe only for the protection of what you've earned and what you work so hard for that. Your rock bottom was many levels higher than most others rock bottom. <laughs> Cause yeah. like people in AA are like, I almost died in a car accident. That's their rock bottom. For me, it was yeah. like, I felt like I didn't want to be here anymore. Like I just mm-hmm, felt that way, mm-hmm. right? Like, so we set it at different levels, you know? Mm, interesting. Yeah. So I, so you felt I, this yeah. way and, and, and you're like empty, you're full, your, your, your house is full, your garage is full and you're empty. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The parties, the friends, the kid, the family, the degrees, the, I don't know, titles, um, but still there I was again, uh, at this crossroads, I guess that's maybe what they call this midlife crisis. Um, and I, I would cry a lot, you know, and I would, uh, <laughs> I, I literally would, it, I was like, a. am like not a, laughing at it, you. I'm laughing. Internal mess. <laughs> I'm chuckling along cause it's a daily occurrence. So I get it. I get it. And, and then this is when I think the like, I got that full on awakening. Um, it was one night, it was in September of 2012. I remember it well. And I lay down to sleep. And in that night, I was just weeping as usual, crying myself to sleep, wishing, you know, just praying to go home, not knowing what home was just that it wasn't here on earth. (laughs) Um, that I had tried this thing a lot of times and I just couldn't crack the code of me, you know, like what was up with me. Yeah, And um, the only tether I felt was that I had a child, but I could have left everything else, like everything else. And I believe that was my gift of awakening. Like um, I started leaving outside of myself. I could, I literally felt myself leave myself. And I um, had this amazing out of body experience. And my first, like, thought was oh this is what people talk about when they're flying in their dreams and I didn't but it was so incredibly vivid it was it was as real as this conversation I'm having with you and it I didn't have a physicalness but I had I was fully conscious and fully aware and I believed for a moment that I was flying over a big city full of lights, not with wings, not in an airplane, but just energy, like a conscious energy of me. And then I heard were you, were you a 
non-corporeal, like a gas, or were you an actual, like, were you in the shape of a being? And what would you say you're consistent of? I'm asking this because I had experiences and I'm just curious how they mm-hmm. interconnect and intertwine. Well, this first jaunt out of self, I believe of is existing as a, as pure light, as just consciousness. I, I yeah. Um, I thought in, in, in my first impression of this experience was that I was flying over a big city, over a night sky. And um, I heard this, something very close to me, like a voice say, don't look down. And I felt like I was looking down only to see that city crumble to ash. Like it was just an illusion. And I, and I felt fear because I I realized that I wasn't on earth and that I wasn't in a form and that this wasn't like flying in a dream. Yeah. That there were, it's almost like a remote viewing in a weird way. It all dissolved. Yes. Like all the earthly context dissolved around me. And I realized that this wasn't like any, and it was, Hey, it wasn't like any dream I've ever had before. Right. And I felt And once again, let's, let's be clear. We, we can share our experiences. I'm, you know, I'm a very big person. It's the mark of an educated mind to entertain an idea without accepting it. We don't, we can Mm -hmm. openly talk about these experiences because I can share experiences that I've had that I would not believe if you told me that you had, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Like, so I'm very open about just people sharing what they want to share and please feel free. So I just want to put that out there for the audience as well. This is completely just what you've experienced and how you felt about it. Yeah, exactly. Please, thank you. <laughs> well, and I, I think that was my first flight, you know, my first out-of-body experience. And then I did like these heavy, I would say out-of-body travels for seven years. Um, exploring the dimensions. Did you Uh, consciously decide where you wanted to go before you like set the intention before going to bed or how did you, how did you perform those acts or how did you? hmm, Well, I would say I, I, or did you give up? Spontaneous. Yeah. You just gave up to the, I had no idea that I could do that. Um, and so it wasn't something that I was trying. Well, I was, trying to die but that was about it like i like as far as having out-of-body experiences and conscious awakening i didn't have any language around that i was like a dumb dumb when it came to auras and energy and out-of-body stuff and so once once i had that experience i started asking people around me have they ever had anything like that happen to them i was literally like in a state of shock and i thought maybe i had a brain tumor i i was just trying to think very rationally like this might be what happens when you're going to die. And, and I, and I had this kind of peace about me because I thought, Oh, this is it. This is what it looks like before you get out of here. And I'm, and I, I'm having the experience now, this is just what it looks like. So I'm going to go out of my body and I'm not going to come back. And I, that's how I, I told my partner, my son's dad, I said, I don't think if I go out again, I'm not coming back. Oh, he got so upset, you know, and I was like, I don't feel like I have any control. I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And, and so this that's is the partner with I, whom you had your child. You were at that time. Yes. You were together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, just before we continue, it said that we only have 10 more minutes because this thing, I guess, kicks us out. So with like a minute left, I'll just tar- stop it and then we'll start again, I guess. And I'll just cut it. Will that work for you? Sure. Okay. Sure. Excellent. So when it kicks us off, we'll just, just jump back on and then we should reset it, I guess. So we'll try that. I've never had okay. this come up before. Usually it's works longer than this. So, oh, anyway. <laughs> so you're with your partner and you're sharing literally that if you're, you're leaving this corporeal world Earth. and going these other places, you're experiencing these other things and you're not certain if that tether is going to snap one time, you're just going to float away. Basically. Is what right. 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 I just thought that this is what dying feels like you know like when you're going Slipping to die away. you have you exactly exactly okay interesting well here i am 10 years later right and uh healed from much of that drama and trauma <laughs> yes yeah, so and doing my conscious work yeah, yeah and that that's an amazing i and i want to go into that so what i'd like to do let me stop this all right so we're back okay so you've had your opening and now you're telling your partner you may not come back. 
obviously yeah. that's concerning. It you know, I felt strangely at peace about it. Like I you said, felt I felt at peace, I, right? But I can't imagine. <laughs> no, because we had a two-year-old son at the time, and um, I guess lucky for all of us. And, you know, um, I did not want to leave my son, but I didn't feel that I had control over it. Um, spontaneous out of body travel was something I didn't have any language around or any knowledge about. Uh, but what happened was, um, I, I began to keep coming and going and coming and going. And I was like, Oh, I guess I'm not dying. And in fact, I was feeling a lot better. And so when I would leave out of myself, and come back in, I would feel incredibly um, free. Like I just had this overwhelming sense of peace about me and free. I, I began seeing auras, um, energy around things. I could feel energy emanating from my palms. Like um, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. Or like a buzzing almost it. in a weird way, kind of. Like or? a pulsing, pulsing, like a pulsing mm-hmm. of energy. I could feel waves. Um, of energy moving through me. I could feel myself leave out of myself. I could feel my energy leave out of me. And so I like things were waking up in me that i never knew existed. And uh, some, uh, uh, some people call it the um, Merkaba or the uh, activation of the Merkaba of this okay. energetic self. Again, I had no language around any of this. But I ended up going to this, like doing this like furious search online at the time, looking for um, uh, anything out of body, uh, lucid dreaming, anything. And I found very, very little. I mean, I, I, like I was like, what? I, I, am I the only person? What year is this? If you don't mind me asking. 2012. Okay. 2012. Yeah. That would make sense. It's about yeah, 10 years ago. I, yeah. I, I couldn't find a lot. Uh, how maybe how I was searching or the terms I was using, I was like, hi, there's nothing here for me. Um, just some very small stuff about lucid dreaming. I just like, I didn't feel like this is what this was. It seemed different because I was coming back different. I was seeing different. And you hadn't heard about remote different. viewing or these other no. pieces yet at this time, right? Cause no. you're, you're, you're literally not open. You're not um, exposed to the vernacular that is no. or whatever. Right. Exactly. Very left brain, very practical, very educated, very right. Never, not feeling about anything. In fact, ignoring intuition, you know, ignoring the side of the soul of me. Yeah. Um, thinking that it had to be, everything had to be proven and evidence-based. And so, so I was in that whole cycle of thinking and that whole construct of, of, of knowing, um, not completely ignoring this inner knowing. I wouldn't say completely because I knew that I had an intuition, but I didn't, I didn't learn to trust it. And so, um, yeah. So I uh, go to this place called the Monroe Institute. It's in Virginia and it was created by Robert Monroe, another spontaneous out of body traveler. Are you familiar with Edgar Casey as well? Yes, I am. I know with a gentleman named Lowell K. Smith, he's a reverend and he works at the Edgar Casey society in Virginia. He's one of their, people okay so gotcha not they're not parallel but or they're not the same but obviously they're in that same realm related mm-hmm. so exactly. yeah so monroe institute monroe or monroe monroe, monroe. robert okay. monroe yeah i ordered a bunch of his books and it they're kind of it's funny because they were like strange like you know the the language he had like new words and stuff and i was like I was like, yes, yes. I like he was speaking right, to me. Drinking like, like I, a straw. I understood yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. And so like, even though you had to use a glossary to read the books and, uh, and so I was like, but it was oh, like a exactly click, right? Was, like a yeah, check, like check, I, check, check. I relate, I could totally relate. I knew ex- without him, without the definition, I knew what he was trying to say. Because that's what I was experiencing, but I had no words around. And so right. he was trying to create a language around things that there were no words around. It is. Um, I mean, look, you're, you are creating an entirely new language to explain an experience that few might be privy to. You know. Exactly. And so spontaneous out of body travel was not something that I knew about. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about it. But when I went... Um, I found Robert Monroe's site, or maybe it found me or allowed me to see it, uh, that they have this out-of-body intensive um, 
I don't want to call it a course, but you go there and you stay there for a week and you do these meditations mm-hmm. and you go out of your body using something that he created called binaural beats. Okay. And so I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go there. And, um, and so I went, I made this application and I, and, uh, they said, you can come. And I, and I met his daughter and he said, she said, you're like my dad, you know, like can lead out. But I was just like out and out and out of myself. And I started learning more about the language around it, about auras, about energy, about healing. It was the first time I had a Reiki healing session. Those are fun. Um, yeah, I just, I didn't know anything about any of it. They're releasing. And, uh, they, they, uh, they're freeing. Yes. And so I had that at the Institute and just learned about remote viewing and people bending spoons and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there was uh, telekinesis and, going on for, there was actual. Yeah, that, there's, yeah, okay. there's. I, I'm, there's I'm, like I said, I'm open to the, I'm open to the thoughts <laughs> because I, I've, I've heard and experienced some crazy stuff. So. Yeah, I don't even think it's crazy. It's just right, right. You know, I, I use crazy as a human word because we don't have the language for it, right? So, <laughs> so they have all sorts of uh, programs and and offerings around all of this, all of the clairs, the clairaudience, you know, mm-hmm. the clairvoyance, all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. The um, and so, but I was there for the out of body. Like I was like, okay, I'm leaving. What does this mean? And who else is leaving? And what I found was that as, as a spontaneous out-of-body person, I was in the minority that most people, at least in the cohort that I was in, were, were wanting to leave their body. And like they're like, we need techniques. And I was like, I cannot stop myself from leaving my body. Right. So you I was need control. That, the, they need, exactly. they, they're looking for ways to get out to actually do it. You're actually looking for ways to stop, not, not stop doing it, but to at least it. manage it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, so what do I do? You know, right. like, what is this? And so there wasn't a lot, like I've learned that you, it's not something that you do control. Um, but it's something that you can become more comfortable with and more allowing with and more open to and just more relaxed in. But I was like, like I was supercharged like I would come into a room and the lights would surge or you know things that were set like I would move sensors and things and I was just like on fire like um there were other people there that could see auras and they would look at me and like we see your aura like whatever like was happening was like it was like accelerate there's some acceleration like it was like a full-on awakening yeah, and that's, that's I, like I said, intense. I didn't I've not experienced something like that intense for sure. I, you know, I love all types of people's experiences when they, because I interview people as well. And I'm like, wow, wow. And when I tell them about mine, they're like, I, you know, it's like, it, to me, the uh, awakened path or the awakened experience is as unique as any one life experience. And so, yeah, there's commonalities. Um, just like in life, but your life path and my life path may look very, 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 very different. Same to our awakening kind of paths. For sure. And so yeah. it's just, this is just uniquely mine. And right. I knew, I knew that, um, uh, you know, that it was, it, it, I guess, very special. I just didn't know how, like what I learned through getting my, my records you know, people that tap into my Akashics that were helping me along this journey, they said, oh, yeah, you've been a traveler for, for millennia, that you, you know your way around the dimensions. Even when I'm out of myself and I find myself in another, like, dimensional space, um, other beings will say, well, how did you get here? How did you know your way? And I just said, I just arrived here. Like, I, like it was, like, natural. Like, I didn't have any... Um, I don't know. It was just like, I knew where to go or how to do it. But in this embodiment, I believe that we are born into these dense earth, kind of these rigid body constructs. And we get, we catch a severe case of amnesia and we forget who we truly are and what we, what we're really capable of. I think that's part of it. And I I also feel powerful. I feel like our brains are just limited as a data collection system. So the spirit pours into the, 
corporeal and there's a little left over. And I think there's a actually, little. I have yeah. some thoughts where, you know, where I've, I've had some personal experience with some people who've had breaks that I think too much was mm-hmm. poured in, you know, and they just couldn't handle it. So we go through all that, but I'd be happy to go on your show and talk, but I'm happy to share it here. If you like what, what my yeah, experience please. was, but, but I, I, before we get into that, your abilities, you speak of this humming. Once you manage that, th- did this help you then manage it? And now what can you do or what abilities mm-hmm. do you find yourself, you know, having more of, or, uh, you know, in, mm-hmm. in greater quantity? Mm-hmm. So the out of body stuff, I would never say that it was managed, but I would say that I I'm good and I like going out and I'm not afraid. Um, like, Anytime, I, uh, you know, I'll take it because I always feel very good. And so sometimes I do go to sleep with intention. Like I'll, I'll want to like learn something or um, I, I, I want something to be revealed or, you know, and I'll go with that intention. Yes, I've gone to bed with intention of wanting to see parts of the galaxy. Like I wanted to see the moon once and I got to go and I was like, wow, you know, almost like I was this close and I could see right. the, like, <laughs> and been into the, um, I guess, I guess that would be kind of like remote viewing, yeah. but the idea of, um, I mean, once again, cosmos, we say language, like descript. we put labels on everything. Cause we have to figure out it what helps it means. Us. Right. Mm-hmm. So like your remote viewing could be just it's the same kind of concept. So in that way, mm-hmm. I, I can't argue over the verbiage because we don't really have a specific language for this. Right. Exactly. And so that, so that that's part of it. Like those, um, those types of just curiosities, um, like what would it be like to witness like a celestial body, like a closed kind of thing? Or what would it be like to be in the expanse of the cosmos and all of the, the colors that we don't have um, language for um, and just all of it. And so those are experiences that I've had and, and going into dimensional spaces of uh, energetic frequencies. I believe that we don't, it's not a place, but it's a frequency, which we land a vibration. And, um, and so I've, and I've had those experiences, like the, the passing through portals, that kind of experience, like of being drawn in mm-hmm. and, and landing somewhere. Um, and that, that, that jaunt, that journey is, is not easy. So, okay, this is what I mean by this. Like when, when I lay into, when I put my body to rest and I wake up inside, I call it, there's a window. Um, there's a there's a window between your awareness of the world that you're in your body and your sleep like there's a window um where you can uh the best way i can call it is wake up inside um be aware uh wake up consciously and literally you go into light like you go to the yeah, light it's like it's almost so like an can, inception kind of move yeah you're like awake inside the dream but Yes, loosely, yes, loosely. yes. Uh, except it's not like very physical or right. everything's yeah. being destroyed all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, or upside down or dark or whatever, disgusting. It's just kind of like um, it, it's, there's a window um, for for this experience. And it's like passing through the eye of a needle, you know. Like it would make you, sense you right as you're slipping there. to sleep, right as you're right. slipping into that. Right. When you catch yourself and wake up, sometimes that's where you're right before you. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Some people call this a veil, um, like piercing the veil. Sure. Sure. Um, And so whatever that is, I'm able to do that and uh, go into alternate dimensions. And actually you asked me what I do now and how it like serves me now. It really um, serves me in my healing work. And so, now, when I do my, I, I became attuned as a Reiki master, someone moved my energy. I left the, my body uh, when, during the energy healing and the healer knew it. And I did not know that she could know that. And um, I was very casual. I felt great. I knew I was out of myself. I was like, nice. This is why I want to have this 
healing experience because I knew I could leave and it scared my healer to death. She thought I died on her table. (laughs) Wow. And she confronted me and very shaken and said, I thought I lost you. And she said, you know, I'd been moving energy for 30 years and I'd never met an energy like yours. She said it was ancient. That's amazing. If I ever wanted to learn to move energy, she would teach me. And so I, I got my healing attunements from a, uh, a Reiki master here in Atlanta. Uh, that was about 2015. And um, I, um, when I started practicing Reiki myself, I did it the way that I was trained. But then as my attunements, as I, as I shifted my attunements, my vibration shifted my attunements. Now I tap into those, what I call those higher, vibrational states of awareness right well it becomes a personalized right you customize mm-hmm. your your healing exactly with your abilities. exactly and you have the core the core pieces in place and then you build on those right so, so now i know how to i would say where where when i first woke up i had no idea what to do with the energy um that was emanating from me like the chi some people will call it now i know now i can direct it like, not I, that's not a good word well manage it i can right? channel like you, it right, i can manage it, it better you can focus it's like right? oh yeah exactly yeah. i can do that now <laughs> so so dimensionally that travel that that seems almost in a distance way between dimensions do you mm-hmm. experience a time shift in any of your travels or do you ever set well, any i'd like to go back to x y or oh, z oh. or something is an intention so okay i don't I've, I've not had that intention of going back in time so to speak but when i travel it's um it's uh, the time just the time construct dissipates right so there sure. is no time right yeah. there's no time there but uh, it's like you experience it. So it's, it's just a different, I think it's a different way of you uh, consciously looking at it too. If you were consciously thinking time, maybe you could do that, have that ability as well. So perhaps, perhaps you it's know, hard to say, right? Like, you know, cause everyone's abilities are different as well. Yeah. So it's, that's interesting. Um, the, the time travel piece. Um, and then me saying that the time construct dissipates, that there is no time. And so uh, the, the way that I comprehend it now is that all is happening at once. And Correct. I agree with that. You can, you, you can, uh, the way that I experience this is I can tap into a frequency. I can go into an energetic frequency. Sure. Right. And um, I would- and that might be a time stamp along as well, right? It would be a data point, for example. So <laughs> I, I am precognitive. And so time, time, when it comes to me, it's like a time thing matters from my perspective because it makes me curious if you have that just because I have that precognitive piece, which on this earth in a linear fashion, we have, right? We have the concept of time in a quantum world. <laughs> it's all, it's all either happened or happening and we're just living it out linearly now which is why I think people can tap into time, mm. future time events, because it's not really a future time event. We just haven't experienced it on this plane. Yeah. 3D, yeah. On this 3d plane, I guess. So when you say precognitive, what does that mean? When you say precognitive, what does that mean? So my first, my first opening was a vision of, of uh, an atrocity that happened um, a week before it happened. Um, I saw the shooting with Clement to Pinckney in South Carolina, the, the six days before it happened. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it totally just popped in my head. So that's a whole deep dive, but basically had a big vision and it happened. And then it just threw me into a complete tailspin. Mm-hmm. And I, and mm-hmm. I see, I see very not great. Visions. I have very not great visions mm. that tend to uh, happen. So I understand you. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm. I am still bur- in the burden stage, even though I, I. It's very managed, but it's very burdensome because I have to know, and mm-hmm. I'll probably never know. So it's, well, a lot. Not like this. Not like the way we were. You know, not like in a, on a book, in a book, or out of a out of a page, right? So. 
Yeah. So I, I've got some different stuff, you know, but it's interesting yeah. how yours is. I had a one out of body traveling experience that I almost, that I came back and hyperventilate. I fell to the floor and collapsed. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, uh, I was doing, we were doing a, what was it a, one of those um, chakra medicate meditations where you go through the different color, you know, RG Biv and whatnot. All I mm-hmm. saw was indigo and purple and uh, then the yellow eye appeared like sideways and it looked like the Baltimore Ravens logo. If I were to say like the Raven or a mm-hmm. crow and, and then it just was like hyperspace kind of like, you know, and then mm-hmm. I end up in front of this blue glowing ember and in my ear whispers home. Mm. And then I had no idea what was going on because they're doing a meditation that's guided through the chakras and I'm over here and then they pull like they're, they're all pulling out and I came back too quick. It's like, I couldn't breathe. And then I just collapsed. Mm. Then I looked at it. I I've connected a lot of dots, but it's a lot of talk. I don't want to, I don't want to take any of your precious time with that because this is about uh, what you're able to do. Well, I, I what, like that. You how, said, how you when you said the it. voice said home, like the, you said you heard, so yeah, yeah I, I've heard that too. And it was serious. things that I've been out. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. That's where it was. It was serious. Well, no, no, it was serious. Like S-I-R-I-U-S. Not mm-hmm. S-E-R-I-O-U-S. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it appeared to be or seemed to be. So. Yeah. You I know. think the aboriginals of Australia believe they're from the star Sirius. The Dogon, right? The Dogon tribe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I visited there, I mean, I, well, oh, wait a minute. Tell, awareness. tell us about this. You visited where? Uh, Australia, oh. uh, you know, like the, to the aboriginal community. But when I met some of the aboriginals, my understanding was they believe that they were from the star Sirius, um, that they were, you know, I, I think many people, well, many have an awareness that they're from a star, uh, but which star, you know, I right. think is the question for some of us. Right. And I think when I was searching for home, when I first left out of myself, um, I was thinking it's, it's out of this planet for sure. I just didn't know exactly where, but it wasn't here. Like I just yeah. felt that this wasn't where I was supposed to oh, be. Absolutely. Or, yeah. You're homesick, right? You know, in this yeah, odd, twisted, yeah, weird yeah. way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's so interesting, Mark. I wonder if many of us are. Uh, Well, aren't we all? I mean, we're we're all from the same and everything else. Like, I mean, if I I don't know, I guess I have to be right. I mean, well, well, that was my experience. What what got me to there was I was very confused after having a few episodes. I had a couple what I started working with a person who does NLP, mm-hmm. uh, neuro linguistic programming, and basically I, I walk into his office, and literally just glanced around his room. He looked at me, cocked his head, and said, "You're different." I lost it, totally lost it. I mean, half hour just sobbing uncontrollably, um, yeah. and then just knowing. So I go through. It's funny because it was my first guided meditation with him. And he's like, you're, you're in, you're on the beach and you're looking up and there are these sheets of glass twisting, spinning in the air and you see images on them. And I saw a black man in a suit behind a podium, shake to the right, shake to the left. And then I saw an explode, like a pop. And this is 2014 when it happened for me. So that would have been. I come out of it and I go, I just saw Obama get shot. Like it literally was just like, it was this weird like pop. And he's like, that either happens somewhere else or it's going to. And I was like, what are you talking about? Cause I, I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? Like I'm a very material person. Um, so I, I come into his office the next week and he goes, remember that thing we were that you had happened last week? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, did you hear about anything that happened in the, in the, in the country? And I'm like, not really. And he goes, funny that what you described is this man that happened. And he 
told me about this Clement Pinckney. And I go back to a state Senate hearing of his. He's like giving a speech in April in South Carolina because he was a state senator. And he has a mannerism of shaking. Like, it's like a way when he talks, he moves his hand to the right, like he's shaking Mm -hmm. someone's hand. And then he brings it across his body and I watch it and it gives me absolute chills. Like, I know that's what it was. No doubt. Mm -hmm. And I don't want, I don't want to know. I don't want this to be the case. Like, (laughs) Yeah. You don't understand. I do not want this. And it's it's experienced. So mm-hmm. yeah. So like then I had some interesting things. And one time what one of my next visions was during a meditation. I was transported into this old hotel room with the dark, like the little envelope key slots behind mm-hmm. the old hotel. Mm-hmm. I look to mm-hmm. the right and I see a guy with crazy hair. And he's toasting and there's a guy with gray hair and he looks a lot like Mike Pence. And okay. it's not Mike Pence because I see another guy who has a very close likely likeness to him. Also mm-hmm. a well-known person, but I can't say his name because it would be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. So I come back, I'm going to an, uh, I speak with my NLP person and I share this story and we're, we're having a normal session. At the end of it, oh, by the way, I just had another meditation and I saw this guy and I didn't say Mike Pence. I said the other guy and my NLP guy is very stoic. He doesn't give off, but the reaction he had is like he saw a ghost. He's like, what? And I go, oh, yeah, I just saw him. And I thought it was that guy. That's why I made the connection. He goes, you saw the, you know, this person's name. And I'm like, yeah, that's who I saw. He goes. I have a dinner. I have a, I have, I have dinner scheduled with him and we are, we're on a phone call tomorrow night to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like that actual person. And he's a very prominent person. I was like, I, it didn't make sense to me once again, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. weird stuff. And, you know, to see that happen. So mm-hmm. it's very sporadic for me. I mean, I can focus it kind of, but you know, stuff like that. So. Interesting. Yeah. I remember when I was at the Monroe Institute, there was a woman who uh, would see dead people and she wanted it to stop. Like she was traumatized by it. And she kept saying, I just tell them, go to the light, go to the light. (laughs) And I remember I was saying, why are you afraid of them? You know, like, like, so each person has their own little thing that they're able to like their yeah. own little superpower. Yeah. And some people yeah. don't like theirs, right. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm cool with mine, you know, right. I'm Absolutely. Cool with the energy stuff, you know, or the traveling, the dimensions. Cause it, you know, I, I, I guess the, after the first flight, you know, I told myself that um, if I ever had a chance to lead out of myself again, I would not be afraid. Um, and then, you know, I, I got to, you know, have those experiences and, you know, now, you know, do other types of things like besides the, you know, tapping into the alternate dimensions for the, the channel, the energy for healing. Um, I can, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, when I write my books, I tap into that. Yeah, it's almost like a channeling, right? Yeah. It comes. Yeah. yeah. Everything comes through. Very nice. And, and I can feel it, you know? And so I know like when it's time for me to write again or do something, you know, I allow that to come through and I don't ignore it. And I don't follow um, kind of plans or, you know, uh, tick boxes. I'm just like, when it comes, it will come. And then I allow it. And then it all, I can write a book very fast. And then, <laughs> you know, then it'll be done. And, I, and that feeling will be over of, of like that, urgency you know that feeling of almost like the um it's kind of like the download you know like Mm -hmm. when that comes through then i'm good and and i'll have a lot of ebb and flow but i think what is the most um i guess remarkable thing is i've learned not just to move energy and trans you know into channel energy but to transform energy and so the, all those heavy emotions and those things that I held inside of me from childhood all the way up into my mid-30s and um, throughout the conscious awakening process, I've transformed those energies where I no longer 
feel that hollowness in the soul, or I no longer feel, you know, like the, the, all that shame and all those other emotions, fears, I, they're just transformed and I'm very comfortable with dying. And, you know, I feel that I'll do what it, what it is I am to do on the planet with an overwhelming sense of peace about me and calm about me um, without putting too much, you know, energy. I can feel it. I'm so acutely sensitive to, to energy, um, to vibration, that if something doesn't feel right, I'm like, I, I, I don't hold that anymore. I can't hold it anymore. And so everything is, is, is transformed right away. As soon as I have awareness around it, I, I move to transform it. And then I help others. You know, I'm, now I know how to help others transform and move energy. Right. Well, that's a special so, gift because that people do see, try to do that for a very long time is to be able to oh, yeah. get that release and the, and get mm-hmm. it be grounded. However, they want to get it off of them right. in some way or not like, off of them, but make it work for them. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. So I think my, my powers are in the area of energy uh, and maybe high realms of understanding, like to be able to tap into higher, you know, um, vibrations of understanding and awareness. And I call that, you know, my conscious work, uh, which, you know, is to awaken humanity to their own, you know, conscious, their own unique consciousness. And I do a lot of that in the area of money consciousness. Um, and it's from my journey, I, I realized that many people do grow up with difficulty surrounding money um, and their self-worth. And it holds them back from fulfilling whatever their highest, you know, purpose is. And if we could, you know, there are many constructs, I believe, that are dismantling right now. There's the race construct, you know, time, there's religious constructs, gender, uh, death, you know, all, all kinds of things are now coming to awareness. And I think the money construct is one of them, too, where we've got to figure this thing out because the suffering on the planet, I don't believe is necessary. Yeah, because um, it really just money is a reflection of it's a way to count your resources because it's countable. It's really the only way to do it's not like we have mm-hmm. weight of like iridium or ion, you know, or like <laughs> cobalt or something. We we look at the money we make as our worth, right? In a direct right. very direct right. way. Right, right, right. And we're we get stuck in that for sure. Um for sure. I've got I've do you want are you ready for one more shot at this before we call it a day or did you want to plug everything and Call yourself an evening for it. <laughs> for the, uh, you, you got one more question. I've I've got questions all day. I I'm happy to ask. So <laughs> do you want me to to give it another shot? If you got one more question, we'll we'll do that and then we'll wind it up. But yeah, okay. Well, actually, I'm we've got three minutes here, so why? Oh, that's okay. plenty three of time. Minutes. So okay. would you like to close it out by telling us tell us about the books you've written, all the things that you do now, how we can get a hold of you, and absolutely. Thank you, Mark. So I'm easily found at susannicholas.org. That is my website. I am the author of four books, The Duality of Being, uh, Perspectives for Multidimensional Travel is my first book. And then I write a series of children's books. Uh, the first is Two Parts of Me, I'm More Than My Body. And the second title of my children's series is The Death of Cupcake, uh, A Child's Experience with Loss to Help Children Process uh, Death. And then my third children's book is called Poor Max, and it's due out the end of this year. And it's about a boy who believes he's poor and how to overcome and break cycles of generational poverty. Uh, as you right. mentioned, I'm a TEDx presenter on money consciousness, overcoming generational poverty. And I'm also the host of the Be Conscious podcast. Uh, I'm an international speaker, and, and I do life transformations for individuals who are at the height of the worldly successes. Uh, people, someone like myself, um, who, despite all that, still feels unfulfilled. I work with uh, private clients in that sense for them to, you know, realize themselves, their full potential, and to be actualized to transform energies. And I'm a quantum energy healer, and I, you know, heal in groups and individuals in my private practice. But I most all of my work uh, is around uh, transforming energies whether it's um, our relationship with money and the energies that are kind of entangled in our money story 
or healing ourselves, but whatever's going on within ourselves, it's really all about energy. And so I do that as my contribution to humanity. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Susan, for sharing your experiences. As I, like I said, we've all had experiences that are probably inexplicable to to others, but uh, we try to describe them the best we can. So congratulations on your new book that that will be coming out. When's that release date or do you not have a date yet? Not a date yet, but I'm expecting before the end of the year, November, December of 2022. Excellent. We'll get it just in time for the holidays to get it. So, and it's called poor max. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, Susan. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. This has been another Not Conscious, everybody. We will talk to you another time. Uh, Susan, like I said, thank you again. And uh, when the book comes out, feel free to reach out. We could try to give it another plug or something for you. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. Once again, that was Susan Nicholas. She is a telepathic medical intuitive and energy healer. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. She is a fascinating person who has a Many, it's almost like she's lived many lifetimes within this one. So, and she's obviously traveled a lot of places. So, um, I hope you guys all enjoyed that and have a great day. Take care.